Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. (laughs) Have you ever met somebody and you just like look at them and go, man, if they would just put that energy into their faith and relationship with Jesus Christ, can you imagine what would happen? The quick flip witness of Jesus Christ. That would be amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at the creativity of what people give their lives to, of um, everything that happens in people's lives. That they, they, there, there's, a, there's two extremes in our world today. There's the extremist, and then there's the pacifist. The extremist, and, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, extremists are those, those guys that are marching down the road, and they're just you know, picketing and, and lighting things on fire, and they're the extreme people. Um, no, I, I'm an extremist, uh, probably about food. You might have guessed that one. Um, but I'm also an extremist about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is everything in my life. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an extremist about my grandkids. If you want to talk about grandkids, uh, I can fill your day. And um, all those kinds of things. But we are extreme in so many different ways. Now, we're in a series right now called Don't Be Fooled. And what I want to talk about today is extremism in in a perspective that can fool us, that can lead us down a path. Now, the whole thought about this entire series is simply this. People need to be aware that the enemy, the devil, wants to fool us into being deceived and distracted from moving forward in our faith. The big question we're trying to answer is how do we recognize the deception and the distraction of the enemy? How do we keep our eyes on God's mission when the enemy is attempting to deceive and distract? So if we can be deceived into giving ourselves to something extreme, we could be fooled into going a direction, taking the energies of our life, taking the passions of our lives, all these kinds of things. We could be deceived and fooled into believing that that particular cause or extremism that you have can derail you from doing something great for God. You believe that? All right. The other side of it is we can be passive and we just not care about anything and just kind of let life happen and just let what comes come and, and, and it doesn't matter and we just don't care. And passivity is, is a danger all by itself because that's not Jesus. Jesus was nothing passive. And we could easily call him an extremist. He's been called that before. He's been called an activist. He's been called all these things. But we have to understand and put it in the right context to make sure we don't let it get weird or strange or out of control or lead us down a wrong path. What I believe these young people and adults did today in this water was make an extreme statement. And that is that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I will follow him with all of my life. Amen. And that's exciting. And we need to understand what that really means, what, that, what can happen when we put it in the right context and we get extreme about Jesus. And so I'm going to talk to you about that this morning. And we're, we're extreme about all kinds of things. We're extreme about masks. We're extreme about vaccines. We're extreme about um, people are extreme about abortion, and they should be. Sex trafficking, and they should be. Tra- climate, and you should be. Money, 
You can, you can be. Um, their garden, their cars, their sports, their food. All those kinds of things we can be extreme about. But all of those things can take us down a wrong path. All of those things, no matter how good they are, they can take us down a wrong path. And you'll understand why in just a minute. Remember, we're, we're kind of looking at a book called The Screwtape Letters. And Screwtape is um, the, uh, the, the guy that's, that's writing to his mentor or his a protege called Wormwood. And Wormwood has a patient who would be a human being whom he's trying to keep from selling out to Jesus. And so Screwtape is writing to Wormwood and and Screwtape says this to Wormwood. He says, once you have made the world an end and faith a means, you have almost won your man and it makes very little difference what kind of worldly end he is pursuing. So understand this, a means is a way of getting somewhere, and the end is the goal, okay? So if, the, if our faith is a means to get somewhere other than the glory of God, we're missing the mark. If our means, if our faith says, um, because I'm a Christian, I'm against abortion. Now, I'm, I, I realize what I'm about to say is going to twist you a little bit. But we'll come back to making it right, okay? Abortion we need to be against. But if we are so against abortion that we forget about raising up Jesus, the cause becomes the the end and our faith becomes the means. And it's, it's, it's out of balance. It's out of balance. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be against abortion. We should be. Okay, But if we are about not raising up Jesus, then we're never going to make a difference in the abortion world in the first place. Because in order to make a difference in a cause, we have to have our faith. If we use our faith to make a difference in our cause, then it's, it, it's in, in the wrong direction. It, there's, there's something that has to be different. And this all makes sense in just a few moments. It's very hard to explain. Screw tape goes on to say, provided that meetings, pamphlets, policies, movements, causes, and crusades matter more to him than prayers and sacraments and charity, he is ours. And the more religious on those terms, the more securely ours. So when we get passionate about all the causes that we have and we forget that that, that Jesus is our motivation and that Jesus is the reason we're doing everything we're doing and Jesus is to be glorified, always lifted up. And when I say glorified, that means Jesus gets the attention when we do what we do, nobody else. Then we're in the right mode. But if all the other things take precedent and Jesus gets left behind, he got us started, but we lost sight of him, then we are living in the extremes of doing something that's unhealthy. Screwtape said this, I had not forgotten my promise to consider whether we should make the patient an extreme patriot or an extreme pacifist. Listen to what he says. All extremes except extreme devotion to the enemy, and in this book the enemy is God because the devils are speaking. In all extremes except extreme devotion to God are to be encouraged, all extremes. 
So the enemy's ploy, the enemy's play is to get us to think that if I do get extreme about a cause, and no matter how good the cause may be, but I leave Jesus behind, then that's the enemy's play. Because he gets our minds and our hearts going in a different direction where we can lose sight of why we are doing what we're doing. And our main priority is to elevate Jesus at all times. Elevate Jesus at all times. We cannot get lost. Why am I talking about this? Why, why has God put this on my heart? And this is what I believe. Because I believe in, in today's day, it's easier to float to the cause than to faith in Jesus. It's easier to get all hyped up and all, all mad and all angry and all excited about a cause, whatever that cause may be, and no matter how right that cause may be, than to proclaim Jesus. And it's a ploy of the enemy. If he can get us excited about everything but Jesus, or if he can help us, hey, get excited about that thing because of Jesus in your heart, but then leave Jesus behind once you get started, then we're messed up, right? Then, then we're just yelling and screaming. We're not doing anything. We're not accomplishing anything. And really, the only thing that's ever going to change anyone is Jesus. And so if we, don't, if we don't go there, then the enemy has won because he said, I got them off track. I got them so excited about their cause that they no longer elevate Jesus. So let me ask this question. How much time do your, does our minds spend on our causes? How much time do we spend thinking about the things that we're against or that we're for even but we don't spend our time thinking about the Jesus that created that little, let's get going on that cause. Let's get going in that direction. How much time do we spend? That's a great barometer of understanding. Have I gotten off track because now my mind is so, so focused on this that I've no longer focused on Jesus. And no longer does Jesus get the attention he deserves. Is that all making sense? You guys with me on that? Our faith is not a means to a worldly end. Our faith is a means to a godly end. You hearing that? Our faith is a godly end. What is the godly end? It's that Jesus is elevated or glorified. It's that people see and know and understand who Jesus is. That's radical in itself. That's extreme in itself. That means that all my life, every ounce of energy I have, I'm going to give to making Jesus seen. Now, I can do that. I can use a cause as a means to that. I can stand up and say, abortion is wrong. We should not be killing children. And we can say that because those little lives have a plan. Those little lives, Jesus knows. Those little lives they can grow up and become missionaries. They can become evangelists. They can become great caregivers of people in the name of Jesus. They can become amazing people. Their lives should never be taken from them. Elevate Jesus. Jesus should be elevated. And when we lose sight of that, we get in trouble. There's a great passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians that says this, 1 Corinthians 10. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right... To do anything, but not everything is constructive. 
No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Another barometer, understanding that if we will allow not our freedoms to take over, but our responsibilities to love other people in the name of Jesus, then we will be on the right path. So how do we create a passion for the mission rather than a pursuit of our own end? How do we develop this heart that says, I'm going to be radical about Jesus. I'm going to be an extremist about who Jesus is and not just something about ourselves, something for ourselves, something to benefit ourselves. How do we get there? How do we understand that? I like this one quote that a guy named Doyle Brunson said. He said, a man with money is no match against a man with a mission. A man with money is no match against a man on a mission. Is that you? Is that you today? I mean, there's just nothing compared to a person who's on a mission. And are we on the mission of Christ? Are we on a mission to elevate Jesus before this world and let this world know that Jesus loves them, he forgives them of their sin, he rose from the dead so that they can have eternal life and that we can all live eternally with Jesus. That's the gospel message. That's the mission. That's what everything we do should lead to. I know that sounds extreme. Pastor, you're just being strange. You're just being extreme. You're just being a pastor. No. I'm being a Christian. I'm being a Christian. There was one moment in my life that was probably one of the most revealing moments of my faith. It was when I I, I burnt out as a pastor and I left the ministry for four years. And when I left the ministry, I went into the corporate world. And I became a district manager for a laundry company called Aramark Uniform Services. And when I went there, it was, it was a miracle that I got there. And when I got there, I was able to go in and what I had never experienced in my life, because I became a Christian at 18 years old, I got called into the ministry right after that, and two years later, I was in Bible college, and after Bible college, I went right into ministry. So I didn't ever know a career life outside of ministry. And I didn't ever know Christianity outside of the direction of ministry. And so when I got out of ministry and I went into the corporate world, I'm like, hmm, what's going to happen here? Am I going to give up on my faith or am I going to live my faith? Because all my life I'd been talking about, you need to go to work and live for Jesus. It was kind of this hypothetical thing because I'd never done that before. It was easy for me to go to work and live for Jesus. I was a pastor. And so I went to work and I began sharing my faith with the people that I worked with. And they knew that I was a, a pastor, that I was still a pastor. I was still doing ministry, but I, it wasn't a place where ministry was the natural function. And I, I managed eight, nine truck drivers. And these truck drivers, man, they, they came up with words I'd never heard before. <laughs> and they came up with conversations I'd never thought I'd hear in my lifetime. And I heard stuff that I never want to repeat. But here's the coolest thing. And this is what was super powerful for me. Is when I realized that these guys would come into my office. My truck drivers. 
And if they came into my office and they left the door open, that meant we're just here to do business. Ricardo, just check me in. Make sure I did the business today. And I don't want to talk to you about anything else. And that's what we would do. We'd talk about business. But every once in a while, these guys would come in and they'd shut the door behind them. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to take my business hat off and I'm going to put my pastor hat on. And all of a sudden, and it was not just the pastor hat, it was the Christian hat. It was sharing Jesus with these guys. It was crying for their families. It was watching them cry, these truck drivers, these guys that are telling these crazy stories, all these you know, crazy words. Uh, it's these guys that were in my office going, I need help, I need God in my life. Now that was cool all by itself, but what's really cool is for me to find out that my faith was not my vocation of ministry but it was my faith and then I'm going to live it everywhere and anywhere I can no matter what I do no matter where I go it's not hypothetical it's not ministry based it's not vocationally pastor because I'm a vocational pastor I'm a, I'm a witness I'm a testimony I live my faith in the world no because I, I love Jesus that's what it's all about and Jesus gets elevated wherever I go I'm on mission in 1 Peter, it talks about uh, a, a, pa a passage of Scripture is talking in the context of persecution. Peter wrote to uh, the, these, these folks and said, you guys are going to be persecuted, and here's how to live in a tough world. Here's how to live in a, in a world that's going to kill you. You're going to see your family members die. They were already seeing persecution happen in the church. They were hanging up Christians on, on, the, on the sides of the streets and lighting them on fire to light the road. This is under the, un, under the direction of Nero. This is the kind of stuff that was going on or was about to go on in their lives. And so Peter was giving them direction. And he said this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles... Because the church had been scattered all over the place. To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And then he says this, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and listen, watch this, and glorify God on the day he visits us. And glorify God. Live such good lives. If we're going to develop a heart that is always on mission, that is always going down the path of, I'm not worried about the cause, I'm worried about my faith. My faith is the cause. My faith is what I live. My faith is what I do day in, day out. I'm checking guys in as they come in their truck and they empty their truck out and they bring their paperwork to me and I'm checking them in, but they close the door. All of a sudden, it's no longer about what I'm doing on that paper, but what what's going on in their heart. And it's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about anything else. It's about Jesus. And that's the mission. We're always on it. When we're meeting with a neighbor, when we're hanging out with a friend, when we're doing our work at work, we're doing everything to glorify God. It says live such good lives. It just means simply be the contrast to how people naturally live. People naturally get angry. People naturally pick up causes and make the cause more important than people. People normally don't elevate Jesus. They elevate themselves. 
This is the such good life. Live such good lives as the pagans, among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. If you walk out of this room today doing anything, know that all you want your life to do is shine Jesus. Glorify God. Glorify is, is the very thing that we do when we sell a car. We get that car all shiny. We treat it like we've never treated it before. We shine it up. We clean everything. We vacuum out the inside, all the nooks and crannies. So the car looks the best it could possibly look, right, before you sell it. Well, that's what Jesus, that's, that's the way it should be for us. We should be elevating Jesus so that he looks the shiniest and best he's ever looked in our lives all the time. So that people will glorify God on the day he visits us. So the first thing we need to do is live such good lives that God is glorified, not vilified. I believe that when faith, when our cause becomes more important than our faith, that's when God gets blamed for all the anger and vitriol we spill out in our causes. I believe he ends up getting vilified rather than glorified. And people don't like God because we're, we're such ugly cause people. But if we will just make Jesus our cause and make it our goal to elevate him, people will glorify him. People like Jesus. He's a likable guy. He's, he's not offensive. It hurts when he shines the light and all of a sudden we see our, our stuff in our lives, but then he forgives it and it goes away. That's the Jesus we're elevating to people today. That's the Jesus we're showing people in verse 13, it goes on to say, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. This is like really hard. Okay? This is stuff that you may not want to hear, but we need to hear it. And by the way, this is the word of God. It's not Ricardo. It's not his opinion. Praise the Lord. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves." Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Wow, that is just packed with a whole bunch of stuff. And we won't deal with it all, but I just want you to hear this last part. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, don't use your faith as a means for your cause. Don't, don't say, well, I, I got Jesus on my side. I can be as radical and weird and strange and angry and bitter and ugly as I want to be. That's, that's not the freedom that we live. We live as slaves to God, which means that we're here to only elevate God. And we are available to his beck and call. And that's why we have to glorify him. That's, if we can silence the ignorant talk of foolish people, how does it say we do that? Doing good. Doing good. Serving the needs of people. How, what are the, what's the, the great commandment? Love God and love people. If we do those two things, we can't miss. 
We can't go wrong. We glorify God. Every time we love a person, I love this statement. I said it a while ago. There's never a bad time to love. There's never a bad time to love. In any circumstance, in any situation, throw out love. And the only way to do that is to have Jesus in your heart because he's the only one that can really love in those circumstances. So if we're going to build a heart and develop a heart that's on mission, we have to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake and live as free people. Verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. He's talking to slaves. By the way, this passage is not endorsing slavery. It's saying if you're a slave, this is the way to live. He's not endorsing it. There's nothing good about slavery. But in this context, in these days, slaves were slaves and they couldn't change that. And so he's giving them direction to live as slaves, as Christians. Slaves, in reverence, fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. It takes God to help us to deal with injustice. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So what is the Bible saying here? He's simply saying that if we're going to live on mission in any context, even a persecuted context or even a slavery context, to live good is the best way to represent Jesus. There's a, there's a saying, you know, oh, you know, we all have to carry our cross. And I've heard it said in so many different settings. You know, I have a hangnail. Well, we all have to carry our cross. That's not the cross. <laughs> That's not the cross. You don't even, the cross is when you die for others. The cross is when you give everything and no longer, are, are, it, it's costing you everything. That's the cross. It's not a cold. It's not a, a burden of debt. It's not any of that. It's, it's when we are giving our lives completely to the cause of Christ. And, and what Peter is telling slaves to do is to suffer in the context of Christ. Christ was unduly crucified, unjustly crucified. And yet he did it because he loved people. And the Bible's clear that we are to, good or bad, take the high road. If we want to be on mission, good or bad, take the high road. Love people. If they're bad to you, look them in the eye and love them. I know, if, I, I know that today it's like, I, I don't care if, if they're bad to me, I'm going to say what I think about them. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to honor the emperor or whoever else it may be. I'm going to be and do whatever I think. No. Our faith should never go off track like that. Even when they're wrong, we should still honor somehow. And I, I, That's really hard. It's really complicated. And in today's world, those are not popular t things to say. I'm just so glad that the Bible says it and not Ricardo. So you can blame the Bible. 
Last part of this passage says, He committed no sin. This is talking about Jesus. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I love that statement because here's, what judge, here's where judgment lies in the hands of God. We elevate Jesus, Jesus will judge. We elevate Jesus, he brings light into their lives. We elevate Jesus. That's all we have to do is elevate Jesus. Let's not let our causes derail our faith. Let's let our faith continue to elevate Jesus in our causes. Nothing wrong with causes. There's so many good causes out there. There's so many good reasons to give to things. But let's not let those things become a distraction from elevating Jesus. Because he's the only one that can make a difference in this world. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. This passage is simply saying we need to be like Jesus. Represent Jesus. The mission is to redeem souls. If we're on mission, we're glorifying God. We're lifting him up and people are becoming more and more aware of their need of a relationship with Christ. And when we do that, we accomplish the cause, which is the ultimate cause of redeeming souls. But if we let all these other causes get in our way, if we let them all take over our heart, then we lose sight of our faith and our mission. And I believe that's why God put this message on my heart. I believe that's why we're walking through this series, Don't Be Fooled. Because we live in a time where causes are elevated far above reason. Where causes become so much more important than the Jesus that we're living for. And causes are ruining people. It's, it's cancel one way or the other. And today, we're not here to cancel anybody. We're here to elevate Jesus so that he can redeem everyone. Are you with me? God wants to elevate our souls by redeeming them, not by just putting each other down. And I believe that uh, we have, in, in today's world, a cause can derail our faith. And we have to be so careful not to allow that to happen. Don't be fooled. You might stand for something right, but if Jesus isn't elevated as the end, if that's not the goal, then you're in the wrong cause. You're in the wrong cause. The only extreme is devotion to Jesus. Everything else should glorify Him. We need to repent of anything else. I believe this with all my heart today. In just a moment, we're going to pray. That what God is asking us to do is say, God, I'm so sorry that I've gotten so upset about something else other than the fact that people don't know you. I'm so sorry that I've let anger and bitterness and ugliness come into my life and cause me not to elevate Jesus, but to get angry at people and to elevate myself. I'm sorry, God. I repent 
I, I will do everything I can to refocus my life and glorify the name of Jesus in everything I do. That's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would convict us all, Lord, of the things that we've given ourselves to so heavily and so, so strongly, so emotionally in, invested that, God, we've lost sight of the fact that our mission is not that cause, but that cause may be a mission or a means to raise you up. But, Lord, we've lost sight of that. We've raised the cause up so high we've forgotten about you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there's bitterness and anger here, if there's frustration, if there's, a, if there's a loss of conviction about who you are in their lives, I pray, Father, that you help us to repent of those things and get on track, on mission. For, Lord, we know that the reward of that is your blessing. We know that the reward of being on mission is being in relationship with you so tightly so that you elevate yourself through us and in us and we are thankful for that. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you establish your foothold in the lives of every individual in this room. No longer will we let the enemy get a foothold and take us off course because we are so uh, subtly being drawn away from the true mission, which is to glorify you. God, I pray for your church to become a beacon of light, not a beacon of frustration. I pray for your church, God, to be a, 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 a gospel-preaching group of people that elevate Jesus to this world because we know that when you, when people see you, they are drawn to you. When they see us, they might be repelled. God, we don't want anyone to see us. We want them to see you. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to move right now in our hearts. And God, that if there's people in the room that have a cause that has caused them to walk away from you or to lose sight of you or to uh, not, not allow you to be glorified in their lives, I just pray that you restructure their heart and their mind and their life so that, God, we can elevate just you. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you are like, man, if this Jesus must be amazing. He loves in any circumstance, no matter what kind of challenge he's facing, he loves and he lives out a righteous, a goodness for others that is just unbelievable. Well, that's you. And he loves you and he cares about you. And if you haven't yet accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I just want to invite you right now, as these people who were baptized today did, they, they, they said they believe in Jesus. They asked Jesus to come into their life. They asked Jesus to forgive them of their sin. They believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible tells us if we make those confessions, we are saved. Saved meaning that we are uh, promised eternal life to spend in relationship with God for eternity. That's the beauty of relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're lost today. Maybe you're, you're kind of kicking the tires of faith. And today you've realized, I need Jesus in my life. Well, if that's you, would you just, for this next moment, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Dear Jesus, I believe that you 
were, uh, di you died on the cross and that you forgave us of our sins and that you rose again the third day so that I could have eternal life and eternal life with you. Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you forgive me of my sin and I thank you uh, for everything you've done for me and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.